Hey there, it's Raleigh. I want to catch you before this episode to tell you about our new and improved bonus podcast, More Mercy. Each week, I break down a MercyCast episode and show how it not only intersects with Scripture, but how it impacts our daily lives. This short devotional episode is only $3 a month, which is like $4 less than a cup of coffee at the Mermaid Place. To access it, all you have to do is click the link in the show notes. Remember, no matter what you're going through, there's always more mercy. And now, on with the show. And here we go again. Welcome to the Mercy Cast, where we're learning the art of compassion through the adversity of life. I'm your host, Raleigh Sadler. Today, I want to talk about the shift that happens when we become Christians. A lot of people think when you become a Christian, everything's going to get better, right? Like it's got to, because we have lived in a very difficult season prior. We didn't have a relationship with Jesus. Now we do. So everything is probably going to be like puppy dogs and ice cream. It's going to be perfect. Nothing's going to go wrong. Everything will go our way. But that's just not how it is, because whether you're a Christian or not, life is still life, and you still have to live it. And with life comes adversity, which is really the point of this podcast. So today I want to talk about Aaron. Honestly, Aaron didn't feel any particular spiritual emptiness or lack of fulfillment prior to becoming a Christian. He was doing fine. In fact, everything seemed great. He was in a long-term relationship with Emily, who is now his wife. He just bought their first house. He had a decent paying job. And by all accounts, he was happy. But also, he didn't know what he didn't know because he didn't really grow up with any understanding of Christianity at all. It wasn't a part of his experience as a child or a teenager or even a young adult. But for some reason, when he was invited to attend a 10-week-long dinner and discussion at his university, he said, sure, I'll go. And he participated every week, even though he would fall asleep as soon as the meal was over. But he continued to have conversations with his friend and Emily for weeks after. And this would always inevitably turn to the topic of Jesus. Eventually, he decided to buy a Bible, really so that he could heckle his friends and make fun of them. And something crazy happened. As he read the scriptures, he found himself captivated by Jesus. And he wasn't getting to know Jesus on his terms. He was seeing Jesus as he was revealed in scripture. The more he wrestled with what he was reading, the more he felt led to make a decision to ask God to save him. And God did. And that's when everything became a mess. Today, I'm joined by Aaron Armstrong. Aaron is part of the teaching team at his church and the author of the new book, I'm a Christian Now What? A Guide to a New Life in Christ. Aaron, how you doing? I'm doing great. You know, it's, uh, it's a lovely day here in Tennessee. So Aaron, you and I have known each other for a while, and I am just so excited because you've written multiple books. Mm-hmm. But this one, I think, is very special because this is something that we would always say there's not really a rule book other than the Bible. And we'll tell people, read the Bible and obey what you read. But sometimes there's some nuance there where we need someone to walk with us. And we do need community. We do need mentorship. But your book kind of gives us a guideline for as we become new Christians, just things to expect, things to process, things to do. And I think that is such a helpful resource. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it was, it really was born really out of the experience that, that I had becoming a Christian when I was 25, almost 26. Because, you know, like you said at the beginning, I didn't have, I didn't grow up 
um, <laughs> in the church. I didn't know any of this kind of stuff. I didn't read the Bible. You know, I had like little, little light touch points here and there, but nothing that I really understood at all. And so I was coming into it really asking this question of, okay, so I'm, I'm a Christian. Now what? What do I do with this? What does this mean for everything that I am, everything that I'm doing, everything that I believe, all of my relationships, you name it. And along with the making a lot of mistakes along the way and really stumbling, stumbling forward in my faith, tripping more, more than once on, on a lot of different issues. But God's been very kind in that. So, well, you basically had a change of citizenship. Though you are a Canadian living in the U.S., as an adult, now you're a citizen of heaven. And just as we go from one context to another, there's so many things that we have to learn because the American Aaron might be a little different than the Aaron who probably drank milk in a bag and saw marmosets (laughs) playing and stuff. Like, um, I don't know much about Canada, but (laughs) I know that Toronto is perfect in my estimation. I love it's like New York, but cleaner. I just loved it so much. And people were nice to me. Yeah. It was and a see, wonderful place. And see, my one of my one of my good friends here, uh, a guy named Andrew, who is originally from Texas. Um, he he his description of Toronto is it's like New York, but boring. And I'm maybe like, that's okay. where the excitement is. Maybe the excitement's in just the filth and the garbage lined streets. Maybe I that's mean, it. It, <laughs> no, it no. could be. I mean, I always see, bec- like a good Canadian who didn't live in Toronto, I have an irrational hatred of Toronto. Just as a city, every time I go there, it makes me angry. When I'm driving there, it's there's nothing that, that proves that I need Jesus more than driving on, uh, on the highways that go through the city because it takes so long to get anywhere. But, but that's, part of the, that's part of the rules of being a Canadian is that if you live in Toronto, you love Toronto. If you live outside of Toronto, you love the greater Toronto area, but you hate the center. And, and it goes out further and further and further as you go. So if you live outside of Ontario, the province where, where yeah. Toronto is, everyone hates Ontario and, and it just keeps going. So this is, this is, I'm, I'm not just here to talk about the challenges of, of faith. I'm also here to help shatter some stereotypes about Canadians. We're not actually very nice. We, we, we're a self-loathing bunch. Well, I think people need to know that, you know, because we want to hit the hard hitting topics here at MercyCast. Mm-hmm. We want to talk about the things that most people aren't talking about. And That's I think right. shattering that stereotype is, it's just time. It's time that that happened. You know, when we shatter it, when that ideal is hurt, that's also the opportunity for healing to begin. And so that's what we're going to do here. We're going to let the healing begin. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. That's right. Sorry. Sorry. Hashtag sorry, sorry not sorry. Aaron, you moved to the States. Yep. You're now a believer. And it's just like, there's so many things that you're shuffling around in your life. So many things that you're processing. Yeah. So many different changes, such a transition, spiritual, physical, you're working it out. And you describe how your life became a mess post your salvation. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, well, when before I became a Christian, I really didn't see any significant problems in in my life. Like work was fine, it paid the bills, it was a decent enough job, I didn't have to think too hard about it. 
Emily and I had a, a very long-term relationship at that point because we had met when, like, we'd started dating in the year 2000, and this was 2005. So we'd been together for five years at that point. We bought the house together. We were we had all the trappings of marriage without without marriage. You know, we got all, we had a good a decent group of friends that we hung out with a bit here and there. But when we went to this this alpha course which was the, the dinner discussion thing. And then I started reading the Bible and then we both realized, okay, we need Jesus to save us. And, and the, you know, the, the how of that takes so significantly long to, to share, but there's videos about it on YouTube and stuff like that. But when we became Christians, that's when we started to see all the cracks in the facade of this really good life that we had. It's where we started to see fairly substantial relational difficulties with with extended family members. And just because our new beliefs immediately put us into conflict with other people. And, and it wasn't because we were trying to be, you know, mean or disrespectful or shove anything down anyone's throats or anything like that. It was just like, for example, we realized, Hey, we shouldn't be living and sleeping together. We would prefer that not happen in our house at all. So people not understanding those kind of things caused some struggles and some tension. I had issues at work because there were different, like, because I was a graphic designer at the time and working at a, at a, mostly in a production environment. So I'd be working on, like, there were projects that I would work on beforehand that I never had any real problem with before, but then when the when the trading cards of scantily clad ladies are are on my desk it's like i don't really want to work on this and i don't feel comfortable doing that and so people having a hard time with why am i not doing this thing that i didn't have a problem doing 3 months ago type of thing and so i'm trying to figure out okay what is it that i actually want like even what is it that i actually want to do with my life and do i want to just keep keep doing this or do i or is there a larger purpose to, to what I'm supposed to be doing with my with the majority of my time during the day. And, and so lots of transition and turmoil. And, and as we got married, we had we that's when we started to see increased financial challenges because we had kids fairly early on. And so so we suddenly were like, oh, we have a we're having some trouble here with finances and on and on and on and on and on. And through all of it, it was basically these opportunities to learn and to trust in this God that we believed saved us. And that was what we, we ultimately came away with was that as we took each step and sometimes we had to apologize to someone for, for being, for how we spoke or something that we said or did, whether it was saying, okay, so we we don't have enough money to afford our car. We need to get rid of it, getting it and get one that's much, much cheaper and taking those kinds of like, just taking those, those little steps as we went and of obedience that people were like, this is weird. Why not just, why not just have Emily go back to work and, and then you guys can afford this. And it's like, well, we want her to be at home and to be the primary caregiver. And she wants to do that. And so it was just test after test after test after test and got, you know, was exhausting a lot of the time, but it was also, but it was really good. 
Now, you talk about how your values and your desires changed. Was this an immediate thing upon receiving Christ, or was this something that you just started to notice? You're like, something's different. I'm not as excited about that as I used to be. And and now, hanging out with these people, that kind of frustrates me. And now these people are getting upset because I don't want to watch this, or I don't want to do that. And the people I used to be comfortable with, I'm not comfortable with, and they're not exactly comfortable with me. Like, yeah. was this an immediate thing, or did this happen over time? Um, for the most part, most of it was over time. And so things like realizing, hey, maybe we shouldn't be living and sleeping together part. That was more of a gradual thing because we didn't know that, because we didn't have a framework for, for non-cohabitation because that was what was modeled. Sure. Um, yeah, in, that's, in our lives. And that's so the way of the was, world. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. It's so we were we were very standard issue secular kids in that way. But when we realized when when the Holy Spirit really convicted us of this, it was it wasn't because anyone was saying to us, Hey, you shouldn't be doing that. It was actually just because our pastor at the time was praying for us and a whole bunch of other 20-somethings who were kind of, who had all come to faith around the same time and were in similar kind of circumstances. And was just like, rather than being passive aggressive and preaching a seven week long sermon series on the do's and don'ts of sexuality and marriage, or as he reasonably could have done, calling a big meeting for however many couples it was and saying, hey guys, so let's talk through this and like directly, you know, having that conversation, he actually took the approach of, I'm just going to pray and I'm going to see who God convicts first. And then I'll move on from there and see what I have to do. And so when we had a meeting with him and we're like, hey, so this happened and we need help to figure out what to do. He was overjoyed because he got, because his prayer was answered. And we were like, well, thanks very much. That's great. But now what do we do? And so we had to talk through the mechanics of like, okay, let's make the best of a, of a not good situation. Aaron, what is intriguing about this for me is that you didn't happen to just walk into a True Love Waits rally. Your pastor wasn't preaching a series on how you shouldn't have the premarital sex. He wasn't saying that you just started to feel conviction. It was as if you have a new operating system and the old things don't work quite the way they used to. And so you're looking at this and you're talking to your pastor and your pastor's like, this is awesome because I've been praying for you and I wanted this to happen. And he didn't go passive aggressive on you. I mean, I remember being in college and this pastor came in to preach at our campus ministry and he had heard that a couple of people were fooling around it was a big campus ministry. It was basically pre-dating sites. So that's where you met people. And when you're there, you're, you're meeting people. Everything's great. So this guy comes and he speaks. And it was the dirtiest sermon I've ever heard. He explained the mechanics of sexual intercourse. It was all shame-inducing. And there was no beauty there. There was no encouragement. There was zero grace in the conversation. He was using words, dude. <laughs> I wasn't exactly sheltered growing up, but he was mm-hmm. using words that I didn't know what they meant. And I'm like, oh my. man, it's like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't even, this is intense. But 
he was being the Holy Spirit for us. And I love in your story how the Holy Spirit was actually being the Holy Spirit. And that doesn't mean that we don't call people out. That doesn't mean that we don't address things that are elephants in the room. I'm not saying that, but I I do believe that the Holy Spirit does convict of sin, and he still does Mm -hmm. it, of righteousness and judgment. Like, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Yeah. And if we decide to do the, the Holy Spirit's job for him, things inevitably go south. I mean, you think about that, you think about that message that that you heard at that event. It's like, this is just gross and wrong. And, you know, and, you know, there's, of course, you know, the cynical, the cynical side of me that could go in all kinds of not very good places. And I won't do that today because then I'll have to repent on the podcast. But it, but it is one of those things where it's like, it's like, how we respond to the known issues that we're seeing in people's lives. And this is, this is really important for us, particularly as we, you know, continue to move forward boldly in our society in this past post-Christianity into, into what is bordering on, you know, as close as we can get to pre-Christianity without, without actually being in the first century since there's just too much of, of our beliefs and values baked into Western culture. Yeah. Um, but when you've got people who don't know the difference between a cross on the side of a building and the letter T, you have to respond differently. It doesn't mean responding less faithfully. It just means you have to, you have to actually answer the right questions or take two or three or sometimes 10 steps backwards to be able to say, okay, so before we talk about God's ideal for, for sexuality or for marriage or any of those kinds of things, it's like, you know, now we have to start with what's a person? You know, what, right. what actually is a human being? Because we live in a, we live in a, in a time when, when people are dehumanized forget all of the the hot button issues that we that we have that we do have to deal with over time we have to start with what are human beings and then we move forward from there and in the same way it's a lot in your basics of how to do the christian life it's not just telling someone hey read your bible pray right. and be part of christian community in a local church it's so what's the bible like, what is this thing that we say is so important to our lives? What does it, what is it all about? How do we understand this? Can we, like, do we need other things to help us understand it? All these kinds of things. What is prayer? And do I need a special language for that? Or is it just talking to God? And, and how does that connect to the Bible? And then why do I need to be part of a church at all? And so helping people understand the purpose of that and the value of that, but also understanding what they should be looking for. And so to be looking for people like leaders of character and people who genuinely, although imperfectly, love one another the way that scripture calls us to love one another, people who take sin very seriously and who love people who are far from Jesus. In a genuine way, people who, who, for whom justice and mercy and compassion are a genuine yes. way of life. 
because those things are inseparable from what it means to be a Christian. And so all of these things that, that have to come together, things that in a, so many different people will describe the, the, the world right now as being radically individualistic and things like this, where basically everything centers on, on the self. Going on a little bit of a rabbit trail, you know, we, we talk a lot about things like post-modernity and the eradication of truth and absolutes. No one actually believes that. Instead, everyone believes that like where we are is actually a hyper-modernity where absolute truth exists, but it's absolutely what I think and I believe. As a, mm. And so even helping people see there's actually an external standard is, mm. um, is one of those things that we, we have to work toward and help people to see and do so with kindness and grace and mercy and a lot of patience. And these are things that, that we're all going to be tested <laughs> on yeah. as we do and in as we do, because we're going to get asked questions that we don't know how to answer. And we're going to, we're going to hit circumstances that we've never had to deal with before, but God is going to use us as a conduit of grace and mercy to help people work through those things together. And so you're going through this really intense shift. It's Mm -hmm. stark. It's not easy. And in a lot of ways, the defecation has hit the ventilation. Like you're just trying to make sense of life now because you understand very clearly that you are a new creation. Some of us who grew up in church, sometimes we see that verse and we're like, well, I'm kind of always how I've been. You know, I, I grew up this way. But when you are an adult convert, it is a completely new thing. Like life has changed and there is an excitement, there is a passion, there is a drive. And sometimes as new Christians, we can kind of zig where we should zag. Like we we go a little too far on some things because we're just so passionate and so excited and so zealous that we may not have the knowledge. And so you're talking about all the things that you've learned in this difficult season of transition. And what are some of the most important lessons you learned through this time? Oh, man, there are so many. But I think one of the biggest, uh, so there's a, there's a couple of them. Some of them, some of them are pretty simple, uh, relatively speaking, and then some are significantly more complex. One of the ones that, that I learned that I was so grateful that I got to learn and that I learned relatively early was that you can engage with creative pursuits, both as a creator and as a consumer, genuinely as a Christian. And so we need to learn how to do that in a way that honors God and honors the image of God in other people, whether they are Christians or not. So, uh, so for example, when I was a new Christian, I always listened to kind of grumpy, sad 90s post-grunge Canadian alt-rock. And so everything's fashionably sad with me, and it's great. And I love it. And I still listen to stuff like that to this day. And I'm, and because of my Canadianness, I make music references that absolutely no one gets down here. And it delights me to no end, which is probably something I need to work on. But I didn't listen to Christian music or anything like that. I didn't have any familiarity with that. But there were questions like, okay, do I have to, should I stop listening? Do I need to stop listening to what I'm listening to and listen to? 
you know, these, in some cases, kind of like cheap knockoffs that it's like, oh, if you like the Foo Fighters, here's this band that sounds kind of like them, but also kind of sucks. That kind of thing. Would they be like the Moose Fighters? And since it's Canadian... I mean, you know, we we listen to the Foo Fighters, the real Foo Fighters okay. upstairs, uh, up north too. Upstairs. So, um, upstairs. <laughs> Reminds me of something Craig Ferguson once said. He goes, I'm Scottish, so a lot of people in Scotland said, why don't you move to Canada? And he's like, well, I could move to Canada, but it's kind of like, do you want to live in the apartment where the party is or do you want to live in the apartment above the party? He's like, Canada is the apartment above the party. That's right. That's right. And that, I mean, you know, I, I can't deny that. Um, although I will say, you know, some of the, be- the best comedians that are in the United States, most of them Absolutely. came from Canada. So. Absolutely. Um, so. <laughs> Absolutely. But, yeah. So going back to that, though, like learning that non-Christians can and do make beautiful art, even, even the art that engages with significantly dark topics. And when non-Christians make beautiful art, they're telling on themselves because they make beautiful art because of who is their creator. God is creative. He makes beautiful things. And we can't help ourselves but to make those things. Again, even when we engage with significantly dark topics. Also learning at the same time, that's like not everything is for every season. And so there is some stuff that, you know, I had to stop that I did stop reading for either a, a significant period of time or stopped reading altogether. Stuff I stopped listening to, watching, those kinds of things. And there's certain things that's just like I, I continued to not have an interest, but I had a greater understanding of why I didn't have an interest in them. So learning how to obey your conscience and those things, but also to respect the consciences of others as well in that. So that's one. Another more significant thing, and this this is one of these things that I'm still, like, I don't think I'm ever going to get this figured out completely, but it's more the ideal of what kind of person do, do I actually want to be? And what I mean by that is, how do I engage with the world around me as a Christian? Do I have to be this kind of person who always seems to be combative and hostile and is basically always looking for another culture war to fight. And everyone in, we all probably have dozens of examples of people posting things on social media that, that come immediately to mind or people that we directly know who we can think of. And so that's one thing. And what I appreciate about people who do take those approaches is that they recognize that there are real challenges to the Christian faith. In that, that come from our society. The problem is, is that oftentimes they don't handle it all that well. Then on the flip side, there's, there's the other side of, if I don't want to be a, you know, a culture warrior in that hostile sense, is the, the answer to capitulate? Is it to, to stuff my convictions and to either go along to get along or to to say hey you know what i'm going to i'm going to change my mind on pretty much everything that's significant and i'm intentionally using ex- extremes here because there's a spectrum of, on all this stuff but what i realize i i want and need to be is i want to be a convictionally kind christian so to hold my deepest beliefs very very firmly and refuse to let those things go but also 
to hold up people and treat people with dignity and respect and kindness in the way that recognizes them as fellow image bearers of God, as people who, you know, whether when it's a Christian who I disagree with on a, on a particular issue that recognizes them as a fellow believer and a brother and sister in a brother or sister in Christ, or someone who is not a Christian and who is far from God, but God loves in a very significant way and may well be using whatever this encounter is as a stepping stone toward them meeting Jesus too. Because I remember what it's like to not be a Christian and to not know anything about these things and to hear little bits and be hostile towards it. And so remembering that if if God can save someone like me, well, then surely, surely he can save whomever he wants. And if he wants me to play a role in that, great. And so that's, that's what I mean by that. It's like be the word, depending on circles, the word winsome has been either tortured in its application, being overly used in other cases, but but really that that genuine that genuineness is is what i'm looking is is what i'm looking for and trying to be and i'm going to make mistakes in that and when i do part of that means apologizing to people and asking them to forgive me and saying hey this is what i did this is what i said and it wasn't and it wasn't okay so as we've been talking today you've described this moment of becoming a christian where everything changed Mm-hmm. And when everything changed for you, your friendships, your job, all these things were different because you were different. There was something new. And so in the years to follow with your church by your side, walking with you and the Holy Spirit in you, you were able to kind of navigate this. And you talk about the things that you've learned. You talk about how knowing the creator now drives your creativity. It drives your art. And you are becoming this convictionally kind person who really believes that we should be genuine, but we should also hold to what we believe. And we shouldn't have to waver just because we're around different people, but we can be winsome, we can disagree, and still be loving. And I think these are very key for anyone who either has become a Christian or has been a Christian for years. It's so easy to get lost in what we need, what we deserve, what should happen, rather than how do I interact with this person? Because I am a person, yes, I am a person in relationship with the person of Jesus, but I am a person amongst other people. So how can I love them? How can I care for them? I don't have to prove myself because the cross has shown me that I don't have to do that. So now that I have nothing to prove, what am I going to do? And so if there's anyone listening to this podcast who is not a believer or they're processing, well, what do I do as a believer now? How would you encourage them, Aaron? Well, I think one of the first ways that I would encourage them is to know first, it's, it's going to be okay. Particularly if you are a new Christian or you're, you're, wrestling through significant recalibration of your faith. Those things are hard and it's okay to say it. It's okay to say that it's hard, but you also need to know that the hard aspects of that 
um, that through that, through those times when it's like, is this actually worth it? That yes, it is worth it because Jesus is better than the things that we have to let go of. And he's better than, and he's better even than the good things that come out of our new life. Because what the best that we get here and now is just, is just a foretaste of what's to come in, in, in a really profound and beautiful way. And we get to, and here and now in this world, we get to make much of Jesus in enjoying those things, in saying no to things that we didn't say no to before, in saying yes to things that we wouldn't have said yes to in the past. But what we need in that is we also need community. We need other, we need other Christians around us who are people who can say to us, hey, it's like, I get it. I, I know what you're going through. It's going to be okay. Let's pray together. Let's strategize some stuff. Let's figure out this issue over here. How can I practically serve you? Where can we channel this energy that you've got over here for this particular issue? You know, all these kinds of things, because we're not meant to, and this is the most countercultural thing about our faith at all is we're not meant to be by ourselves. That's right. And so, you're going to need people around you. And so look for people who genuinely love Jesus, who genuinely love one another, who are pursuing kind and humble disposition in their character and cling to those people with all your might because they're the people that, that you need more than you realize. And what a note to end on. Aaron, thank you so much for joining me on the MercyCast. Man, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. If you are interested in more stories like this one, buy my book, Vulnerable Rethinking Human Trafficking. Also, if you want bonus content, you can click on the link in the show notes to access our new and improved weekly bonus podcast, More Mercy, where I dive deeper into each episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave MercyCast a five-star review. I want to hear from you. You can email me at info at mercycast.com. This podcast is brought to you by Let My People Go. To learn more about how you can love your most vulnerable neighbors through your own vulnerability, go to lmpg.org. Till next time, have mercy on yourselves and each other.